As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, Episode 76, live. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. We have a special episode for you today. We just had our first live event hosted by the fabulous bookstore, The Novel Neighbor, and its owner, Holland Saltzman, in Webster Groves in St. Louis. It was a blast. It was so much fun getting to meet so many of you in person, but people really are the best people. We got to mingle and chat, and then we What Should I Read Next did the verb, three readers from the audience, and today we're sharing that audio with you. I don't usually do this live, so it was quite the experience, and I hope you enjoyed listening in. If you missed that event, don't panic. We have another live event coming your way very soon. This one's a little different, and I'm very excited about it. Many of you know Knox McCoy and Jamie Golden from the Pop Culture Podcast the podcast with Knox and Jamie. They're hitting the road soon for their podcast summer tour, and their first stop is my town, Louisville, Kentucky. Come see us at their live show on Saturday, June 24th at the Tim Faulkner Gallery here in Louisville. And I do mean us. I'll be there as a special guest. And even better, the night before, we're throwing a VIP pre-party at my house. We will have delicious food, signature drinks, swag bags, and lots of mingling. It's going to be a blast, and we're so excited to meet so many of you at these two events. Tickets are limited, so get yours now. Go to knoxandjamie.com slash Louisville, and it pains me to say it, but that is spelled Louisville, and get them before they're gone. Can't wait to see you there. Now, let's get to the live show. Welcome, modern Mrs. Darcy Ann Vogel, to the Novel Neighbor again. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for coming. This is so fun. All right. Um, we have absolutely no really kind of schedule for this evening, except that we're going to talk for a little bit. Uh, Ann's going to talk to three different people um, about, uh, they're, they're going to get what should I read nexted um, <laughs> up here in the hot seat. Uh, and then we're going to be taking questions from Facebook Live and comments and kind of following through that. And then we'll be able to go back into the Novel Neighbor main part and enjoy socializing after the show. That's so, fun. I thought you were going to say we had no experience. Is she on? Can you hear? I'm on now. There we go. <laughs> so better. All right. So, Anne, how long have you been doing? What should I read next? Since um, January 12th, 2016. That's episode number one. All right. And yeah. you're on episode number... No. What episode am I on? Seventy-seven. Look at that. That was so good. 
All right, well, let me, you're here in St. Louis for a little while visiting. Very little while. Okay, yeah. all right, and we appreciate Good to be back. Good to be back, mm -hmm. because you're gonna work a shift. <laughs> I'm going to, one day. One day, yeah. because you finished the Sparrow. Didn't I, you? I did. You did. Did we have an agreement though about that? You had till this end of this year, so you're way ahead I'm of time. schedule. I'm ahead of the you're curve. So good. Or no, I'm behind the curve. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ahead of. You on the wagon? Off the wagon? I want something like okay. that. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, so that's done. So then you just have to come work a shift. Okay. That's that's it. All right. And then write a book. But I heard you did that already. <laughs> Do you know what? Okay. I don't. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm supposed to be talking about this. Okay. But it's only on Facebook Live. So. Right. So <laughs> it's just amongst us and the internet. Are we on? So. Okay. Okay. Oh, good. Well, we're not going to start over. I promise. We're not going to be that funny. So. Um, <gasps> Three, two, one. Oh. I'm even going to do an intro. Sorry. <laughs> so we thought I was going to do it. Yeah. We, so you just are tuning in to Facebook <laughs> We're here with Ann Vogel, modern Mrs. Darcy, and she's not talking about the book she's not writing or supposed to be talking about. Well, so I have a book coming out in September about personality. It's not about the plot or anything. But I just turned in um, my annotated outline for book two, which is coming out September after next, and it's Essays on the Reading Life. Oh, if it gets approved, cool. brush your fingers, say a prayer, you know, like... That's how you check the wedding cloud, whatever. But, but I told them I was going to write an essay about working behind the counter for a day. So you have to. Well, maybe they'll hate that idea. Come during the, the off the hook. Come, come during the holidays. Who would want to do that? That's what they're going to come back and say. Everybody in yeah. here would want to come hang out and work at Well, the manuscript's due before Christmas. Yeah. So, you know, so I, can't, I can't do one of your Thanksgiving. Fine. <laughs> I fine, fine. So uh, what we do do, though, because we do hear this, and I thought it was crazy at first, but when in St. Louis, I don't know if it's sort of the same thing in um, other places, but auction trivia nights. I'm sure anyone in here from the St. Louis area has been to 4,000. And so I don't even think it was the day we opened the store, but somebody came and asked for a donation for the auction trivia night. And we were like, oh, God, it's already started. Because, <laughs> and I think they think, you know, $10 gift card, $20 gift card. And I was like, I'm not even getting paid. We can't do that yet. And so uh, what we, we say yes to everyone who asks, and we give uh, a two-hour come be a bookseller. And so from ages 8 to 108, you can come, and that way you get your own shelf, like Anne has in the store tonight, and that way you get to sample the uh, local goodies that we have in the store, and you can make suggestions to people, and a lot of the kids who come and do it, of course, like work in the cash register, so they are the ones who really like being behind the counter, so. I'm going to get on board this trivia all over the place. It's very, have the same Louis. Tonight, you could probably throw well, a Well, all I want to do is work in the bookstore, so, so there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to bid for it. Inside track. Inside track. All right, anything else you'd like to discuss before we pull our first person up? I don't know. Anything you want to hear talk about? You just want to make sure it's not you. Okay. <laughs> Let's do the first person, and then we'll, Let's you know, kind of, person. you know, get into it and see what, see, see where that takes us. Okay. Okay. Our first person. Yes. And we're sorry. So Angela, who's in the audience tonight, was just like, "Is it me? Is it me? Because I'm stressing out. Should I do it?" And I was like, <laughs> like, "Are you not letting these people know?" I was like, "No, should I?" <laughs> so we didn't. So. Um, <laughs> You know, enjoy yourselves if we call your name and speak now forever, hold your beast if you don't want us to. Um, so, all right, I'll let you go. 
I only wrote down first names. Okay, well then I'll go make sure we have first and last names. <laughs> but I do know, I believe there's only one of the first person So we do have. that and I'll, I'll figure out the next part. Or Patsy will go get me the list that has the names if she doesn't mind. Oh, see, great. Okay. But person number one is Nellie. I don't know how far Cincinnati is. Okay. I'm from Louisville. Did you go through Louisville? Yes. Okay, I'm from Louisville, which is four. My in-laws are in Cincy, which is two. So yeah. that math I can handle, even on the fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did six as well. So. Okay. Okay. So, so Nellie, yes. you, everybody here knows how this works, right? Yeah. You tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you're reading now. And I will attempt to tell you coherently <laughs> what you should read next. I chose <laughs> two of the most esoteric books I think ever. Okay, I love that word. Okay. Now, I don't know a lot about Michael O'Brien. Yeah. First, tell us your title. Which one do you want to go with? I'm going to go with The Father's Tale because I think I can describe that one better. Okay, here's what I know about Michael O'Brien. It's all from the Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club. I know a small group of loyal readers are reading this author, before I speculate over, I was going to call him Catholic and philosophical. Are these things yes. even true? Yeah. Awesome. Um, together. And um, he seems to have a small but passionate following. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never read his work, so can you tell us a little bit why you chose that one? Uh, yes, because he is a beautiful writer. Um, his, his writing is nearly poetic. He also has characters that go on almost Odyssey-like journeys. So you're, you're following this person through a period of time, and they're going in directions you never would have thought they would go. So for instance, on A Father's Tale, um, the father, uh, his son disappears. He's Canadian, and his son has gone over to Oxford, and his son disappears, and they can't find him, he can't find him anywhere. And what ends up happening is he finds out that his son has become, he's joined a cult of some sort. And these, he's deeply Catholic and, and religious, Michael O'Brien, so his, all of his characters are. Um, and so his father goes on a search for him, and it takes him to, from Europe, he goes to Siberia, he goes to China, he goes... He's going everywhere. He's following sort of some breadcrumbs that are being dropped. So there's some mystery in there to keep you interested. Where, you know, where is the sun? And there are constant obstacles being thrown in the path of, you know, the father. So you're trying to figure out if, if these obstacles that are being thrown in his path are, in fact, people that belong to the cult, or if it's just sort of a, um, well, he's following him across the country, he's trying to figure out where his kid is. Um, so there's always a lot of spiritual um, growth, revelation. Um, the theme that runs through this is the prodigal son, so there's... Uh, that piece of it that comes in, his son has left, 
and he's, you know, he's trying to find him, bring him back. How do you find Michael O'Brien's works? Uh, my aunt. So Personal connection. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, 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 and they're big. <laughs> like, I think it was big? like 700, 800 well, pages. That's big. It's really, really big. So you're committed. Or you put it down because you don't want to read it. <laughs> does he write in series or did he stand alone? That one stands alone, so does Island of the World. And then he writes a series um, called Children of the Lost World, uh-huh. I think. Um, and that is, it's not post-apocalyptic, but it is a series um, following different characters uh, prior to what they're predicting will be the apocalypse. So it's okay. pretty serious, heavy reading, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now let's go to You know what? I've decided this is where I was going to diverge from, I think, what I put on my list. Uh-huh. Was, um, this is how it always is. I just, it was. You want to sub in Lori Frankel's? Yes. I support that plan. Yeah. <laughs> And I was looking at all these books and thinking, what's the theme? Like, where, how do these all connect? I can't even imagine how you will figure this out. But I, do I need to describe this is how it always is? Yes. Who doesn't know anything about this is how it always is? I don't know. I don't know. There we go. Oh, golly. <laughs> I don't remember seeing the store, Holland. I'm sure it's there. No. Good. Pass. <laughs> It's orange. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I heard somebody just on probably on your most recent podcast describe it, so I'm gonna just mm-hmm. sort of piggyback she on. She'll listen to me. Okay. She would be the first to come. <laughs> yeah, she's not here. Um, because she, you have recommended that you don't read the flap on the book because it sort of gives away something that is fundamental to the book and it's not really what the book is about. It's about a family who is has to keep a secret. And this secret it's it's about how it affects all of them. And that it can be destructive um, but it's also about how a family does sort of come together to support this. They um, it's, it's marvelous. I love it because she's a beautiful writer, and I loved all of the characters, and that's rare that you just really, really fall in love with every single character in a book. They're delightful. It's a husband and wife, and they, they are like the quintessential ideal married couple, but she writes it in such a way that you don't feel like, right? She, <laughs> she writes it, but they're honest with each other, and so you get to see that interaction um, and the children are real uh, it's a little there's some fantastical qualities to them just because they're not average I guess and it's tied up with a bow so if you don't like that keep moving um, I like happy endings yeah like that's a disclosure but yeah. I think all of my books have a happy ending so I visited two of the bookstores here in St. Louis yesterday, and it was wonderful, and you all have great stores, and I'm happy to visit them. And I went to Love Bank Books and Subterranean Books, yes, and took my children, so we gave them lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> so 
traditional reading guide picks, and I love seeing just what all the stores feature and hear what their booksellers love. And the first thing I did with every book, if the bookseller wasn't standing in front of me first, I'd you know, open up and read the flat copy, and then I'd look at the back cover. So I do it, and I'm telling you not to do it for this one. And I just understand that that's a big ask sometimes, but I feel like it would be really easy for this book to get plugged as a book that's about an issue, mm-hmm. or a book to be called important. Mm-hmm. And I often read the books that are called important, but to hear a book called important sometimes takes all the, like it just sucks the joy out of the reading experience. And I would hate for that to happen to any book that you're not reading for sociology class, but especially to happen with this one. So yeah, it's about a family that keeps a secret. And over time, the secret starts keeping them. And it's no longer freeing it, like imprisons them. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. So we talked about it with Madeline last week. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about it with like months before it came out, because I read The Galley, and I was so excited about, about talking about it with someone. I recommended it to Sarah Stewart Holland back in episode 40-something, like 42 or 43, back in October. But I have to tell you what I told her. I'm sorry you already heard it before if you listened to every episode. But I have to tell you where the title comes from. And this is a story about a family, and especially about a marriage, Rosie and Penn. And they're trying to make this big decision for one of their children, like one of their children who is still growing up, and they're having to make this guess about what this child is going to want down the road. Because they can't wait until the time comes to make the decision, because the moment is now. And if they miss this window to decide, it is gone forever. And so I wish I could like read off the quote, but it's something like, look, we're parents, we're raising children, this is how it always is. We have to make a really important decision that everything depends on with not enough information on a wing and a prayer. Like, that's how it goes. And that's a great title, right? Originally it was called something, because we talked with her for the, <laughs> I think is what she said. or was it, was it the, was it it? It was something just completely, it was really, really, really just, it, I remember she said those search results were, would have been, Horrible. Maybe it was like and or or. Oh yeah, yeah. It would have been and. I think it was and. The book was almost called and. It was an article. (laughs) This is how it always is. It's much better. Yes. Okay. So that's your book too. Yes. What's book three? Bel Canto, I think. Yeah. And it's hard for me to even remember. It's been a long time since I read it, but it stuck with me. And I think a lot of it was because of the relationships that were formed. And I love Ann Patchett's writing. And it's funny because she never ends her books very easily. I think they're always sort of hard to digest. Um, they always feel like they've just sort of stopped. That's interesting. Because she has a great quote about this that she uh, rattled off in some Commonwealth interview. It's something like, it's a book, it's a song, and it's crucial to hit the last note. (laughs) 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 Hmm. Not my last note. (laughs) Do you feel that way about Belcanto? I did. It felt sort of... It was sort of the afterword, almost. It's See, I needed to kind of refresh my memory on that one. But I just remember being completely absorbed in the characters and the relationships and sort of the, well, they were all, you know, kind of stuck in the same space and trying to figure out how to 
interact with each other and relate. There were the two main characters, right? Um, but I do remember the ending being a little, really? Aww. I think a lot of people feel that way about Anne Patchett books. So was anybody thrown for a loop by the ending of this one or say State of Wonder? Just like the last few pages? Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay, we have nods, we have hands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I wonder what she's trying to uh, say there. We had we had an early guest. It was Amy Johnson. Yeah, I remember it because I yeah. remember. She said that she was loving State of Wonder, and she got to the end, and she like curled the book across the room because she was angry. What was her hated book? Yeah, that she loved it until the last. It's like the last three pages. Yeah. You're nodding. You know, is it is it that little? It's yeah. It's very very end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Last three pages. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's a great book to discuss, but. Yeah, yeah. Not, one, not one of your favorite shows. Right. Okay. Okay. Nelly, what's so, a book you hate? <laughs> this is funny. It's um, The Magician's Assistant, also by Ann Patchett. Um. Okay. <laughs> I haven't read this one, so tell us everything. <laughs> well, again, um, it's been a long time. Uh, it's about a woman who is, in fact, the magician's assistant. And she's an assistant to, I believe it was homosexual magician, a magician, and help me out. That she was married to, right? I mean, isn't no, she him? No, she wasn't married to him. She, she, but she loved him. Okay. And she ends up, he dies, and she ends up going to his family of origin and I, I can't remember, but there's tension there with his family of origin. And he, she ends up meeting the sister of the magician. And, and the end, ending is horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. It was the same way. I mean, somebody likes it, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody <laughs> likes it. And thinks that's exactly how it should end. That's, that's obvious. How else should it end? Um, but it wasn't me, and it was the same reaction. I really, literally did throw the book. I was really angry. So it's been this two, a, three years ago, I think I read it. You didn't like where the author took the story? Right. Okay. Okay. I'm just making the notes I always make. Yes. <laughs> That's how I do. Nellie, what's the last book you finished? Um, I let you go. What do you think? I liked it. Don't say too much. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I let you go. You're talking about Claire McIntosh, right? Yes. So this is the one, I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, where uh, it's like a domestic suspense. I was reading it, it's like one more chapter, one more chapter, one more chapter, and I got to the last chapter, like the last word of the last chapter, the last half of the book, mm -hmm. and I'm reading it bed at night, and I went, what? I start flipping furiously through the pages, and Will, you, you may have seen Bug and Butter, it was like, what is happening? What, what, what is going on with you in that book? I was like, well, I thought I understood what happened, but, 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 like, what is going on? So, yeah. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, it was. It was really fun. Because <laughs> then you've got a couple of different threads you're trying to follow, like how, how one mystery ties into the other. You're, so you're following so, several threads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm reading um, behind her eyes right now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay, that book is some brilliant marketer somewhere. Hashtag that, WTF, that ending. <laughs> I mean, if that's not marketing genius, I don't know what is. Right. Yeah. So are you done with it? I'm like this close. It was well, getting well really then, late well then, last night. I, I was reading it. Okay. We're just going to leave that yeah. there. Yeah. I thought it would have come up on the bypass by now, but it hasn't. No. I thought about recommending it to Laura Tremaine. No. Is it not? Yeah. No, because it's not really. It doesn't feel it's well written. Well, that is the thing. Yeah. It doesn't feel well written. But I, you know, like many of your guests say, it's for somebody. It's just not me. I don't like it personally. But. Are you gonna finish? Oh well, of course, yeah. because the plot <laughs> is driving it. So you you can wade through some of the less than interesting parts of it just to figure out the the end. Okay. Like, so how is she going to finish this? Okay. So maybe I'll throw the book. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> might be my new hated novel. Leave it behind. <laughs> yeah. All right, Colin. Should we give Nellie a picks now? We should. It's very hard. I'm are we going to know what to do without a break? Nellie, are you ready to talk about your books? I am. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this is tough because I haven't read A Father's Tale. And a lot of times I haven't read a guest's book. But if I haven't read two of their books, that is a big problem. Um, but I feel like I understand the general tone. We've got well-written, stayed, philosophical. It tells me a lot that Jaber Crow yeah. was one of your alternate favorites. Yeah. Like I feel like we're working in that space. Yeah. Um, not boring. No. Or at least not to us. Not <laughs> right. But careful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And books that are about more than they're about. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. This is how it always is. You love the characters. Mm -hmm. And it was a good story. And it was a good story. Okay. Yeah. And Belcanto was a story about relationships. So we didn't really go into Belcanto. It's a novel based on a real-life hostage situation. So Anne Patchett takes this idea and puts them in an unnamed South American country. And she really nails the details. Like, my favorite part is that the president isn't there to... He's not taken hostage because his favorite soap opera is on Tuesday nights. <laughs> and he was not out to come out to some state dinner and miss his favorite soap opera. Yeah, but it's a hostage situation and everybody's kind of stuck together. Okay, so this is what I see. You've got a heavy theme of journeying going on. People are on their path. So this is how it always is, like that yeah. family. Yeah. Like, I don't know what set the ball into motion on the father's tale. Was that he disappeared? He can't figure out where his son is. He's okay. lost contact with him. I know there's so many good novels that start with a very similar plot line. Yeah. I have no idea what they are off the top of my head. None. But that's okay, because on What Should I Read Next, we try really hard not to do just like read alikes. Here's another story with the exact same plot that came out 10 years later. Like, that's not what we're going for. Okay, so you have people thrown together by fate or genetics who have to go through something together. Like, that's the main thing we're looking at. You want good writing. It can be contemporary. Belcarte is what, like 10 years old now, maybe? So it's past the 10-year test. And Michael O'Brien is a couple of decades old. For a father's Yeah, yeah. Gosh, yeah, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't feel that long ago that I read it, but yeah, it's been a while. Okay. And you don't want an ending that makes you hurl the book across the room. Right. <laughs> Which I think has to do with it being satisfying. In some sense of 
justice always yes. right with the world. Yes. And I'm not and seriously questioning your last, right. your life making choices. Right. I, and it doesn't need to be, it's not the saccharine sweet ending that I need or like it's all been tied up in a sweet bow that's not realistic to the actual storyline. But I feel like generally we all want for ourselves a conclusion that's satisfying and nice. This is where you would edit. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I'm seriously afraid that you will have read everything that's bringing to mind. Yeah, no, I don't. But, and I'm also afraid that you'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's talking about that. <laughs> on that note, on that note, how about some books? Yep. Okay. What do you so, know about Wallace Stegner? No, I don't think it's... Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Crossing the Safety for sure. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. I actually have that book. Have you read it? No. Okay. Well, that's cool. I really think okay. you'd like it. So Holland asked me, just like, I have a lot of a few favorite titles that we can put on the favorite shelf in there for me, which is so fun. Thank you for making my, my wannabe bookseller dreams come true. <laughs> so I have not read every novel he wrote because he is prolific, but this is my favorite. And it's one of those books that is super hard to describe in any way. It sounds anything but completely like a yawner, but maybe if I sound really excited. <laughs> um, so it's about two couples thrown together by circumstance who become lifelong friends. So you see them endure, well, it's a story about an ordinary life. And Steiner has some very self-aware quote in the middle of it. He's one of his characters, who is a writer, so very self-aware, mm -hmm. and you wonder how much he's identifying with his character. Um, he's talking with another character in the book, or maybe he's even talking to himself. I've read this like four times, so it's been a couple of years <laughs> since I read it last. He says, as he considers writing a book about he and his wife and their two friends, like, why would anybody read a book about lives as boring as ours? Like, we grew up, we got jobs, we had kids, we tried, we got married. You know, like we lived, we died, we had jobs. Like, it's just not that interesting. Like, nobody had an affair, nobody murdered anybody, right. but nobody did anything dramatic, so why bother? And this book seems to be as kind of like wink, wink. Like, yeah. the act of living creates enough of its own drama. And he does such a good job of creating really interesting moments out of things that just aren't that big a deal, like a picnic or a job offer or something like that. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and you read this the second time, well, okay, how about this was my experience. I read it the first time, and the first time you have that new novel experience, like, I don't know who these people are, I don't know what's going on, but help me get oriented to this new world I've chosen to place myself in. And the second time on page three, I was like... Because <laughs> <laughs> he starts in the, his present and then launches on giant flashback. And okay. I knew where everybody ended up, and it just... Oh, in a wonderful way. In a good way. <laughs> of course. Good of course. Way. That sounds good. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> do you have that written down somewhere? No. Okay. No. Stop it on my head. I do think if you, um, yeah, if you love one author, I think the other is a good bet. Okay. What about Marilyn Robinson? I don't, I don't know. Really? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Which one should we get her? <laughs> okay. So Marilyn Robinson totally belongs on the bookshelves, hanging out with Wallace Stegner and Wendell Berry. He oh, writes, cool. she, 
She writes, placid, quiet, family dramas that contain, there's so much happening beneath the surface, and she uses such restraint to portray it very skillfully. Um, Obama had an interview with her a few years ago that I don't think I read the whole thing for. He's a fan. <laughs> no matter your politics, he read some quality <laughs> literature during his presidency that he shared. But when you talked about how a father's tale was about a search for a child, there is so much love and longing and either loss or near loss where people are contemplating what happens next in this relationship that is important and powerful but painful for ways that cannot be helped and aren't the ways that pain and love is often portrayed in literature or happens in life. just so good. So when you said loved all the characters, um, you will not find any quintessential ideal married couples in these books, but they are so... (laughs) She's so earnest about love in a way that's compelling and not annoying. (laughs) She's not sappy. Her prose is really good, and you don't root for her characters in the same way that you root for, like, I don't know, somebody in a like a Sophie Kinsella novel. But um, you care about them, and you deeply want good things to happen in their lives. Mm-hmm. I feel That's like I could say more interesting things. But all I want to oh, say is, good. oh my goodness, with your picks, you've got to read some American Robinson. Okay. And her novels are um, interconnected, but they don't necessarily have to be read in order. So whatever Holland has on the shelf, you could just grab one. Okay. Um, you could start with the most recent. You could start at the beginning. The one that I hear the most love for that I think, if I tried to stop a stranger on the street and say... What's your favorite Marilyn Robinson novel? I was lucky. They wouldn't look at me like I was crazy. But they would say Gilead. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the title. Awesome. Okay. Excellent. Oh, exciting. Okay. Do I get to keep these? Yeah. Yay. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I should have used two colors. Okay, in book three. So we want relationships journey tale, and really beautiful prose. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to recommend something I read about on the podcast recently. Read about, talked about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry about that, but I do think it's in your real house. And it's Gail Godwin. She's a contemporary novelist. Um, Flora is her most recent title that's coming to mind, but it's not her most recent novel, I don't believe. And I would go with either Father Melancholy's Daughter or even song, or both. The, they go together. I don't think it's really important that they be read in order. Grab whatever your library has, um, or whatever. I'd be a little surprised if this is serious backlist. I think we've got even song, but we don't have Father Ron Collie's daughter. Right. I think so. Excellent. What's um, even song about? Can you tell me really quickly? It sounds familiar. Yeah, it's about, it's set right at the year 2000. So oh, okay. you have to turn down the like, if you were to read this now, or if you were to read this like in 1990, you'd think, this is the cheesiest thing I've ever heard. Like, it is thoroughly a Y2K novel. <laughs> so, of its time and place. She's in rural North Carolina. And the protagonist is an Episcopal priest whose name I do not remember, but that's okay. And um, she is at a crossroads in her professional life and in her marriage. And in Evensong, she is walking through all that. 
Okay. Meanwhile, her community is at a crossroads brought on by Y2K, just in the sense that um, some local people are crusading for a certain kind of change at the dawn of the new millennium. And then she's dealing with just relationships in her parish okay. because she's friends with these people, but she's also a spiritual guide to these people. And what you said about Michael O'Brien mm. made me think that you might enjoy a more contemporary, different take on that kind of mm -hmm. spiritual growth. And watching this couple, and especially this woman, work through all these things that are happening to her at once. Um, it's like the sandwich generation, but for a 30-something at the school of priests. Um, <laughs> I, I think you'd enjoy it. And Godwin's tone really suits the story. Um, the first book, Father Melancholy's Daughter, is more about her childhood and teenage years with her father, also a priest, who uh, had serious bouts of depression on and off through his whole life. Mm -hmm. And so he was known as Father Melancholy. <coughs> and that's more of a coming-of-age story. How did it sound? Yeah, good. Okay. Good. I'm as impressed as always by your ability to pull out the thread of similarities between themes and that kind of thing. Well, you can do more than twice. I wouldn't be able to articulate that. it, though. <laughs> okay, I'm making notes. You can walk away with this. And let's see. Gail Godwin. Oh, my goodness. You can read my handwriting. See, I would just say they'll be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we have those three. What do you think you'll read next? The first one that you were talking about. Crossing the safety. Yes, the one you the already safety. own. Yes. That's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> All right. At the end, if we have time, yes. I would love to see, you all, if you have any titles that sound good for Nellie, just jot them down. And if we run out of time, yeah, you can then cost her later. <laughs> but I want to hear what they recommend. That's yeah, how it goes yeah. down. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, Anne. Hi, Anne. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. All right. Uh, we've got some commentary coming in live from My Facebook. Commentary. I'm telling you. So cool, Steve Modern Mrs. Darcy live in your store. Hashtag fun, hashtag fab, Nancy Sheed. Oh, that's Holland's sister. <laughs> Why am I not there? Stephanie. Oh. I'm so sad. I was supposed to be there, but I'm down with pneumonia. So, Christine, we're very sad oh, that you're not joining so us. So, feel better. Um, Amanda is excited to discover that Anne is left handed. No. <laughs> Okay, maybe I'm holding you in my left hand. Maybe we're reversed. Left hand is on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so they're not. I love to be really good online as well. Good to know on Facebook Live. We have to revert. So the mirror actually would have been a good idea. All right, sorry. She's not. We try to write left-handed for the rest of the night to make her happy. You know, creating types of left-handed, right? I'd love to embrace that. Kristen is very happy that it's Nellie and not her. Gonna get to you. Um, Robin is so happy to be joining from Toronto, and Heather is enjoying this from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Oh, that's super wow. fun. That's super fun. All right. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time chit chatting, even though I would love to. Um, but I think our time, if we're gonna do this in an hour and a half, yeah. and I know it's a little warm, a little bit. 
Um, so I'm just going to probably let you get on to the next person, unless you have a burning question for me right now. I do not. Okay. Have a question. All right. Then let's just do it. And I'm going to pick up a microphone because I almost wanted to chime in like three times. This is my store. I'm just going to do that from over in the corner. If I have something to say, okay? That's good. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. And next, to be moderate, no. What should I read what next? Should I read in? Next you next it. You're going to start using next it as a verb. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. And who's going to get next it? We've got Lindsay Walter. Is she here? Yeah. Hi. Hi. I thought for sure they would have uh, emailed the three people that got picked. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Where's the fun in that? Well, I, I want to do this. I'm just scared with the camera. It just makes it more. I know. And it's a little mortifying. You can see the iPad. Yeah. It's, it's different it, from knowing. Yeah. It's kind of mortifying. <laughs> Um, yeah, because you can, yeah, here, just look at me. It'll be fine. You're good. You're okay. good. Don't worry. Where do you live, Lindsay? Um, I live in South City. Okay. So, just like 10 minutes from here. So, South City, St. Louis. Very but, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Glad to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Okay. Are you ready to talk about your books? I am. I al- I'm always ready to talk about books. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm a nerd like that. Lindsay, you know how this works. I do. Three I do. books you love and one you hate. Okay. What are your favorites? Okay. What? Um, I went with all-time favorite, To Kill a Mockingbird, which um, probably, you know, almost everyone in the world has maybe read, but um, before The Set of Watchmen... Um, my husband and I constantly had arguments because I wanted to name a child Atticus. And he, was, he wasn't down with that. But um, do you know any young Atticuses? I do. I know a few young Atticuses. I do know a few yeah. now. But yes. But my not as many as Cow. Right. Right. Um, we decided maybe Finch would be the. So, um, but uh, I just the Atticus um, and Scout's relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Atticus's quiet strength and just his ability to stand up for what's right and um, even though as a man of that generation he didn't have to mm-hmm. um, it was I think for me it was a quintessential novel I think the first time I read it I was in 8th grade that changed my um, how I looked at race and diversity and made me um, question things um, I grew up in very white Kirkwood <laughs> which is 10 minutes the other way um, but just I love redeeming characters and I, I love um, someone you can root for and wrestle with big issues with and I think that was kind of my first taste at that and recognizing that that's part of my personality like I like mm-hmm. to wrestle with things so. Mm-hmm. so yeah wrestle, that's a good word so. okay Lindsay, what's book two? Okay, book two, it's uh, by the same, I I'm keep going back and forth between The Glass Castle and okay. Half Pro Horses. Uh-huh. Um, and just, and I saw her speak, Watts was her last name, all of a sudden I'm forgetting her first name. Walt. Walt, yes, thank you. I saw her speak at the St. Louis County Library, and she was fantastic um, when Half Pro Horses came out. But um, she has a way of writing about these incredibly tragic and traumatic childhood of both herself and then also her family, um, but in ways that seem like novels. And you, and she just ties really beautiful meaning throughout it. And, and once again, she's wrestling with these big, these big issues. And you know, the Half Broke Horses is about her grandmother and 
Um, it's how she constantly kind of reinvents herself in a time that, and did things that women didn't do. And so, yeah, overcame a lot of trials and tribulation that I couldn't even imagine in my very suburban uh -huh. American life. So, but for a good uh, story. Yes, excellent story, excellent story. So, okay. What was Janet Walk like? Was she what you expected? Um, she was really down to earth, and she was she and she even spent a good amount of time answering questions. She could tell she was a little bit nervous, but she's an excellent speaker. Um, she was really engaging, and so I thought I will read everything this woman ever writes um, because she was so authentic and, and vulnerable about her own struggles, even and wrestling with my parents are homeless and you know that kind of thing. So. I don't want to be ruining that for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a flat copy. Everybody right. Oh, that's true. Copy. That's true. Okay. <laughs> Lindsay, what's your third favorite? Um, my third favorite is Kathleen Norris's um, Cloister Walk. Uh -huh. So, again, another person I would read. I have read everything that she's written um, as far as uh, books. She's a poet by trade. And I always say I'd like to eat her words off the page. They're so beautiful. Um, I've seen her speak as well. When uh -huh. she came to St. Louis a number of years ago, I think I was the youngest person there by at least 35 years. <laughs> um, but in Cloister Walk, it's a study of she's, she's not Catholic, but she spends time at a Benedictine monastery. And so it's this, she crosses back and forth between... Um, like regular life, and then kind of trying to find this rhythm in this Benedictine monastery. So she's also written like mysteries. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah. So Quotidian mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then a CDN me is another one, and Dakota spiritual landscape. Um, and she just talks about everyday life in such spiritual ways that I would never kind of pull out. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, it just it's her and her language is just so beautiful. So, and again, she's far from perfect, and she's trying to figure these things out, and she's very honest. So, the Quotidian Mysteries is another one I told Holland I wanted in my favorite stuff because, um, yeah, she makes me as a reader see things about my daily life that I never think of, like why it's a good idea to take deep breaths and maybe actually fold your laundry instead of glaring at it from across the room and letting it sit there for six days. Oh, it might actually be good for your soul. And when I'm not, I mean, if we were having coffee and I was complaining about my laundry, I maybe wouldn't want you to say to me, like, wouldn't it be better for your soul if you folded that laundry? Because I'd roll my eyes at you hard. But Kathleen Norris has this way of writing that makes you stop and go, I am so shallow in patience, <laughs> in a very, in a, in a, like, motherly kind of way. And not motherly when you're, like, 12, but motherly when you're, like, 5 or 30. You get what I'm saying, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think, too, she came, became so real to me when I saw her in person because she talked about, because here's this, like, kind of dowdy but wonderful woman who talked about, like, just staying on the couch all day and watching an entire, binging an entire season of America's Next Top Model, which you don't think at all when you read her books because they're so wise, right? Yeah. Um, so she was so human. But I yeah. think another thing she's really taught me, I think, through her works is just the ability to be okay with loneliness. 
and that like that's a normal part of everyone's life and that um yeah so I, I think she's I've learned that a lot from her in a beautiful way so okay I just want to say here that if this wasn't live and if I was going to put that in my brain and well I would never know something like that in advance mm-hmm. If I was going to put that in my brain, I would walk the dog and not listen to anything and think about loneliness. Like, <laughs> that's an amazing theme. Mm-hmm. It's maybe not like the most clickbaity book list you've ever heard of, like, you know, books that amazingly capture loneliness. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I bet those would be some really haunting novels. Yeah, well, I used to work at St. Louis University, and when students would study abroad, I'd give them Dakota a spiritual landscape. Uh-huh. Because when you study abroad, that you experience a loneliness that you never do in any other time of your life. And so that book captures that experience because I wanted them to grow and, and learn and be open to that instead of just kind of, you know, going out to the pub every night and getting wasted or, you know, like finding a combination of like, it's okay, this loneliness is a normal part of life and um, you have an opportunity to mature and grow as a human being um, in new ways as well as have a blast in Europe, you know, but... Lindsay, what's the book you hate? So I actually changed the book I hate, and I know it's a book you like. What's the book, What's the first book you hated? The first book I hated was Prep. Oh, so obviously you knew it wasn't okay to hate on Curtis Sittenfeld <laughs> in her own city. In her own city. Okay. Well, she's not me of the St. Louis. Okay. No, I do like her other books, though, but I don't love okay. Prep. Okay. Um, but the book that I dislike greatly is um, You Will Know Me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I know you liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I'm not heartbroken. Okay. <laughs> Although I will say that um, one of my favorite, favorite books coming out that will be in the Summer Reading Guide is I'm describing in my head and to everyone I encounter as Missoula meets You Will Know Me. Mm. Yeah. I'll yeah. Say, I haven't read Missoula. But that's not because I adore you, will know me. So. <laughs> okay, okay, so okay. Megan Abbott. Okay. YA. This, this is the only Megan Abbott I've ever read. Okay. So, um, and I don't mind YA. I'm a childhood family therapist, so I work with kids and teens all the time. Mm-hmm. So I tend to read some YA to like kind of keep up with their interests. Yeah. Um, but I just, and I think that's what's wrong, is I'm a childhood family therapist. Like, the family oh, is so... so cringy. Yes, yes, in so many ways. Um, and the mom is just so clueless um, about everything that's going on in her life. And, like, I, I just, oh, it, yeah, it's, I mean, I kept reading it. Don't get me wrong. Like, it kept me reading. But I knew the ending. Like, I figured out who committed the crime from the beginning. From the beginning? Yeah, from, like, first when it happened. Like, yeah. I, I usually am not. I don't know what it was. Maybe because I just didn't like that character so much uh-huh. that I thought that, that was probably true. Um, the only person I liked and found redeemable in the whole book was the little brother who was totally, like, um, not paid attention to in the whole book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was, like, the only endearing character I found. So I think that pretty much everybody would be annoyed that they guessed the ending, the big twist on, like, page mm-hmm. 10. Right, right. But not everybody needs redeeming characters. Right. You want both. Yeah, I mean, is, I need at least a redeeming character. I need some redemption that it's like they don't, I don't need it tied in a bow. I don't need them like to be living a great life. I just want someone to have learned some lesson or something about themselves or something. Okay. When you're looking for books right now, what do you want? 
do you want something like to drop in your beach bag or put in your purse that you're going to create in the waiting room, or do you want something you're going to sit down with with like a pen and a big cup of tea? Well, that last one is usually where I go to. So okay. a pen and a cup of tea is, even if I'm in the waiting room, because I do read, I'll read very quickly some kind of beach reads, mm -hmm. but the things that I really want in my life mm -hmm. are those challenging, but also comforting. Like, you introduced me to Louise Penny, who is like the best combination of that, of like mysteries that I love, but then like they go so much deeper into person, mm -hmm. personal relationships and things like that, so. Yeah, tea Penny. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, seven. Okay, let's start with seven. I feel like the odds that you've already read this are, are high. Oh, wait, hold on. Okay, I don't know yet. So, about your books. Mm -hmm. I feel like what we're doing is taking, in all your choices, so To Kill a Mockingbird, The Glass Castle, or Half Broke Forces, and pretty much everything Kathleen Norris has ever written, mm -hmm. is we're taking a peek beneath the story we see on the surface mm -hmm. to find out what it's really like, and the answer is not what we expect. Yes. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Okay. And subject matter you can wrestle with? Mm -hmm. Not a bad thing. Absolutely. Okay. Not afraid of that. Okay. I don't know that I'm looking for paradigm shifting books, but I don't think you'd be averse to it. Is anybody no. averse to one? I, I think that's. that's uh, yeah, no. Yeah, no, wait, I'll, actually. I mean, especially if it's challenging and shifting my paradigm, that's yeah. fantastic. Like, okay. I'm all about that. Okay. Because I. I mean, great if the characters are challenged, even better if I'm challenged. Okay. <laughs> if that, like, a couple of the ones I have done down here seem really, really funny. Okay. <laughs> what? It's okay. It's okay. I'm not, like, I, yeah, okay. What do you know? Have you read A Tree Grows in Brooklyn? I yes, I have. I have. I had to read it in eighth grade, just yeah. like I had to read To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. And I will say, a few years ago, I tried to read it again. Yeah. Because, um... Like, my aunt always says it's kind of their childhood, mm -hmm. my, my dad's side of the family's. Um, and I only got halfway through it, and I couldn't do it. And I think it was because my aunt had said, like, I really think this reminds me of our childhood, like our Irish family upbringing, so. Imagine, so that would be a difficult story to imagine your family into. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and okay. usually I'm up for that, but I think there's a combination of that, and I just got stuck, and I don't know why I got stuck. But. Okay. All so. right. Then we're going to go with somebody who's not your family. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what do you know about In This House of Breed? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah? People are nodding in our Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, this is hard with that notes. Here's what we have. Okay. We have a very successful career woman mm -hmm. in mid-century London. That's great. I always like working girls. That <laughs> <laughs> sounded wrong, but <laughs> who gives it all up to become a Benedictine nun? Oh, and the journey is everything and absolutely nothing like she expected. Sounds fantastic. Sounds totally like something I would love. So her world got blown open mm -hmm. in reading about it. Could be a pretty cool experience. Yeah, no, it sounds fantastic. Okay. I'm going to chime in because it doesn't have to be one of your counts. Um, <laughs> one of the latest that just came out.
out in January about Lily and Boxfish. I have not. Yeah. If you love a good career girl, get that. Okay. I get the first part of it. It's not the true story. It's the long walk, the long walk of Lily and Boxfish. Okay. Can someone write that down for me? <laughs> <laughs> I am on it. Okay. She's awesome. Thank it. you. Thank Sorry you. not to give you another task, but no, it's good. Okay. How do you feel about foodie memoirs? I really enjoy them. I okay. <laughs> I really enjoy them, but I feel about memoirs the same way you do. I believe that like people need to have processed it. It's not just like this happened like three months ago and it's just the story. Like I want some, you had some insight in that kind of thing from it. I get what you're talking about. Okay, have you read A Homemade Life by Marlon Weisenberg? I have not. It was on my Kindle and I have not read it yet. It's on your Kindle? It's on my Kindle. It's meant to be. It is. Okay, I'm, I'm so, done with that. Here's what I like about this. And I was just talking about this with somebody. It was you, right? Before. It's in the bag. Yeah. Literally. Okay, so here's what I like about this for you. Um, it came to mind mm -hmm. when you said loneliness. Okay. So here's what happens. Get the Kleenex for the opening. If your family members are not in a good state of health, just wait to read this one. Uh, so her dad dies. Okay. And that's on the flap. So, no big spoilers, but I mean, seriously, get the Kleenex. And she is just set adrift. Okay. Like, what do I do with my life? She's in her 20s, I believe. And the answer is the answer so often is in books and movies, although this is a memoir, this is right, real life, is go to Paris. So, oh, she, she goes to Paris where she knows no one. She starts a blog, it's called Orangette, and she has to figure out how to live in a world where her dad isn't there anymore, mm -hmm. and where she, you know, like, all of a sudden she's catapulted into a, like, oh, I guess I am a grown-up if my dad's right, gone, right? and if I'm across the ocean from my family, and what am I going to do next, and um, very, very lonely, but she finds her way through food, and I want to say more about it, <laughs> like, some of the things that make me love this book, but I'm not going to, because that could be a surprising, delightful yeah, thing. Yeah, no, it sounds wonderful. Story when you get it sounds there. wonderful, and I love to cook, so it's a good time, so. Make the chocolate cake at the end, it's fantastic. Gladly, uh, my kids would love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, from the memoir perspective, mm -hmm. so what Lindsay's referring to is when we did What Should Anne Read Next, thank you so much for all the suggestions, back, um, Episode, it's like episode 62 or 63, where I shared three books I love, and I don't even know what they were, and one <laughs> book I hate, and it was a recent memoir that shall not be named, that I read, that some of my friends really, really loved. It was written by a celebrity kind of person, and what I said was that I have learned recently that I don't care for memoirs that are more about, hey, this happened, mm -hmm. about recent events that haven't had time to be fully digested. They are no, they're not like in the big picture yet. Like The author still isn't sure how it fits into the larger view. And I do kind of feel that way about Molly Weisenberg's, Weisenberg's second memoir, <coughs> Delancey, about the pizza place. Okay. I felt like I needed more time. But she went to Paris. She started a blog. She wrote a ton. She started writing for Bon Appetit based on that. And then she got a book deal. And then she worked on it very, very carefully for a long time. Okay. So this book feels grounded to me in a way that I don't think her second book does, but I will read anything she ever writes, to be clear, I'm aware of Molly Weisberg and I understand. I understand. Okay. Okay. I'm really tempted to go totally weird with you for book three. Do it. I've read, totally since weird. listening to your podcast, I've like, listened to a lot, or read a lot of things that I never thought I'd read necessarily. 
but you've made him come alive to me, and then I fall in love. So I'm up, up, I'm up for it. Well, if you hate it, Holland will recommend another book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a nonfiction encyclopedia of housekeeping by Cheryl Mendelson. It's called Home Comforts, The Art and Science of Keeping House. And here's what I love about it for you. It is oddly like in this house of Bree, in that Cheryl Mendelson mm-hmm. is a big deal attorney oh. who has a secret life. And that is that she really likes to do all the housekeeping stuff, like clean the sheets and do the laundry. And she has whole chapters devoted to hiring household help, which is which I read the same way that I would read about like how to grocery shop in Istanbul or how to hire no care for your nine children. Like it's just not my form. So yeah. But there's so many stories. So a lot of people are given this book um, when they get their first apartment or buy it like I did at um, the used book sale for a dollar because like. 800 pages for a dollar is a pretty darn good, like, price for page, yeah. you have some, like, four inches <laughs> on your shelf. Um, and it's the kind of book you refer to over and over again if you moved out of the house without knowing how to do your own laundry or clean your own toilets. Like, <laughs> thanks, Mom. I did, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that's why my husband does most of those things. It sounds interesting, though. <laughs> so, she writes about... Have you read Lab Girl by Hope Yarn? I haven't yet. I've heard okay. great things. I do want to read it. Another great book. But the way Hope Yard writes about science is the way Cheryl Mendelson writes about domesticity. Okay. So if you don't think, like, I don't know, like, ground bugs, or I'm just making this up because I don't speak science. Um, if Hope Yard can make those interesting, mm-hmm. then, like, clean sheets, it's no big thing. It's right, great. right. So Cheryl Mendelson talks about her, her um, Italian grandmother and her English grandmother and how they had very strong feelings about keeping house in different ways. And... So there's a lot of story in this Mm -hmm. process, and what she's doing is she's talking about the hidden meaning of the stuff we do every day, and I feel like it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like a long shot, right? Does anybody think I'm on the right track? Yeah, I think I'll like it. I mean, it definitely ties in with Kathleen Norris, I mean, in some ways, like the, the finding new meaning in what we do, and... And it's very in this house of brief, but that was my pick, not yours. <laughs> so, successful woman who cares deeply about other things as well. And if you'd rather cut straight to, like, more, I don't know, I was going to say story-driven, but weirdly, this encyclopedia of domesticity is story-driven. Um, she also wrote a trilogy of novels set on the upper, upper west side in New York City, okay. beginning with Morningside Heights that I also like quite a bit and think might be your cup of tea. Okay, sounds good. Thank Into you. Into your family settings. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lindsay, what do you think you're next? I don't even know where to begin. I, I, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> my homemade life is on your Kindle. Yes, it is. Yes, it's on my Kindle so I can start that tonight. Um, I feel sorry for my, my family this weekend because I'm going to be concerned. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason this is on a Friday night, right? <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, Anne. Hi, Holland. <laughs> Is Delilah still on in Louisville? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
no idea. Every time I say that, hello, Lena, I feel like I'm your Delilah. It's my backup career. Um, can you repeat what your first recommendation was on this most recent um, suggested list? Um, one of our people missed it. Lindsay? Lindsay, what was your first uh, suggestion from Anne on this My work? first suggestion from Anne? Yes. In this house of... Was it In this house of Brie? That was the first one? Okay. So we said, in this house of Brie, home cupboards, and a homemade life. And I tried to recommend a tree goes in Brooklyn. Okay, so I think that covers it. Okay. Um, sitting on a sofa with a trusted friend making notes, this is like watching the best kind of therapy <laughs> for ginger. Um, is that my ginger? Hi, ginger. Yeah. Uh, Dimitri and I love you, Constantine, from Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I do too. Uh, love Anne's jacket. Wondered if she'd share her source. Take All right. <laughs> um, Alicia Gregoff here in St. Louis says, Welcome to the Lou, Anne. Thank you. Um, Is it really the Lou? Because I live in the Lou. But it's the other Lou. And then we also both use the Florida Lou. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's on your necklace. Your Tiz STL necklace. Which we have for sale over the nominee. Third local artist. That was good. <laughs> All right. Uh, someone also suggested The Silver Star by Jeanette Walls, as well as one of her favorites. I've never heard of that. Um, and the last one is, how did you and I meet? Well, that's a long story. That's what I was like. I don't know the story I tell. How do you, how do you remember it? Well, I was just telling this. Oh, good. Because I... This weekend. Okay. And it goes like... Here's how I remember it. Okay. So, I got an email okay. from someone I didn't know. Yes who was your sister, Yes. who works for someone I do know, Yes. Laura Vandergam, the yeah. author. So Nancy does her social media. Yes. And I knew Laura. Okay. And Laura knew I was in Louisville. Okay. And Laura knew Nancy was about to be in Louisville. We grew up about an hour south of Louisville. Uh-huh. So we ended up having coffee at the Starbucks, half mile from my parents' house. Very close to my sister's yeah. house. Yeah. And I walked in, I'm like, ah, oh, two sisters. One blonde, one brunette, it must be them. Hi, Anne. And this was before the podcast. Yes. And this was before The Novel Neighbor. This was before the idea of The Novel Neighbor. That is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Who knew? I know. And God here we are. Yep. And she willingly came to coffee with two strange girls that were like, hey, we just like your blog. Can we talk? <laughs> <laughs> and then we've been at conferences together. And well, you know, Laura Best for you, who I still haven't met in person. You haven't? Well, she, like she would be really interesting on your show. I think so, too. She's on my list. Yeah. I don't know that she reads much fiction, so I think that, and maybe she does. Sorry, Laura, if you do. Laura <laughs> <laughs> so, are you baiting her? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right. Her first book was 168 Hours. You Have More Time Than You Think. And so she is, and then one of her favorites on my shelf is uh, What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast. She's done on the weekends. And I don't like to joke that it's like science fiction the way that I read it. <laughs> my but husband totally said that when I bought Cut Flower Garden. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> Exactly. In the realm of things that are never pure fantasy. Right. Yeah. We have great intentions. Yeah. Yeah, we have great yeah. intentions. So no, for time management, she's the best out there, so um, check her out. Um, what's what's our time, anyone? Oh yeah, health. Oh, so to oh so we're no, no, no sorry, we're not. Okay, so let's we're gonna we're gonna go quick. Should we do one more? Do one more or are you guys okay in your time if you have to quit?
quietly walk out, we, or you walk, loudly walk out, I mean, like I'm going to get up and stop you. Um, do what you need to do, but if you guys are okay, we're going to try to do another, another one, if that's all right. Okay, and then we'll have time afterwards, we'll be back at the store. So Anne did, about a couple of days ago, let me know, um, she kind of randomly picked three and said, here's some of their choices, here's some of the suggestions I might make. So a lot of the things that she's taking notes about, or even people's favorites, uh, we tried to get in the store, so we're happy to help you guys find those later if you're interested. Okay, Anne. Who's contestant number three? All right, we have Sarah King. Is she here? Oh! Hi! Wow, I really didn't expect that. Right on the front row. There you go. ready to go. All right, Sarah. Welcome oh, to the show. Thank you. I don't remember at all what I eat, but so I need a little reminder. Holland has a spreadsheet. See, you say you, you're not, I guess this isn't time management, this is organized. Okay, do these look familiar? <gasps> yes. I love yes. the one you gave. <laughs> I'm so excited, okay. <laughs> All right. Sarah. Yes. Shoot, okay, I'm tamping down my, I think I've done a pretty good job of tamping down my Irish chit-chat, but now I'm going to like step on Sure, it. we just have a few minutes. Sarah, what are your favorites? Um, well, the, the first one that I said was My Life in France uh, by Julia Child. Um, gotten really into food memoirs in the last several years, and this one especially, um, being first person, um, mm -hmm. it was almost like a, a pairing with Julie and Julia um, that was really intriguing to me. Um, yeah, I just I love loved it. Yeah, it's, she's so funny, y'all. Like, so I don't know if you funny. know that. <laughs> She's like the kind of woman who got, totally, who got in the bathtub with her husband and covered themselves up with bubbles so it wouldn't be totally risque and sent on a Valentine card in like 1943. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah, just the story of their marriage, the story of her um, being in her, I think in her 30s and just completely um, career shifting, like doing something just for herself, um, some, you know, pursuing a new passion, going to study um, at, in culinary school. It was just really mm -hmm. inspiring to me um, that she, um, maybe she was in her 40s. I don't, she, yeah. She was not a spring chicken. She was not, yeah. yeah and that was just really encouraging to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about Julia Child before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me either. And I don't even know why I picked that up, but I'm really glad I read it. Like, talk about a fun, crowd-pleasing, feel-good memoir, mm -hmm. but it totally reads like a novel. So it really it's does. It's got if you some spring, like espionage in it, um, like right. you know, they're yeah. her and Paul's jobs. Yes, yeah. yeah, really. They were fighting the war. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it was just beautiful. Um, yeah, and she wrote about um, buying. Uh, like a villa in, in France, later in the book, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, just gorgeous. Maybe you want to go to France. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the, I've been to Paris for like three days, um, but it was after, I, I read the book afterward, and I just want to go back, so. I think that's a great response. response. Yeah. 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 She would be proud. Absolutely. Sarah, what's good too? Um, let's see. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Memoir, Animal, Veg Animal, Vegetable, and Miracle. Animal, Vegetable, Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver. I love Barbara Kingsolver. Yeah. This was, I picked this up um, when I was uh, just starting to learn about like seasonal eating mm -hmm. and about 
um, like local food sourcing. I think that I probably had watched, um, or I, I had read, um, oh, uh, Poland, Michael Poland um, mm -hmm. before. And so I, I um, yeah, it just, a beautiful, again, a, a beautiful memoir of her family um, going through a year where they decided to, um, I think, source almost all of their food locally, um, or all of their food locally, whether it was in the garden, um, in, her, in their backyard, or purchased from local farmers. Um, she built up a lot of relationships with the farmers in her region. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I just, I loved that it was a nonfiction book um, by a fiction author, um, kind of brought another level mm -hmm. of Barbara King Solver. I don't Isn't it time for her to have another book coming out? Way she overdue. Shall we talk to her? Yeah. I mean, it's about time. I think so. I mean, I don't want to be tapping my foot or anything, but flight behavior was a while now. I think we should tag her. We'll go after her on social media. I'm sure she's all over. She'll notice. If she's not writing, that's where all the authors hang out. I get so many. My third book is Every, Everyone Brave is Forgiven. Um, the spreadsheet love, tells you. Yes, I love a World War II novel, especially set in France, <laughs> which is very specific. Um, but again, the, the ties with France, um, loved the story. I, I just flew through this one in like two days. Um, and I think I had read it pretty recently when I um, put it as one of my top three books that I loved. So it was a, definitely a recommendation from Modern Mrs. Darcy. <laughs> I still have not read any other Chris Cleave, but I keep buying I them and putting them on my shelf. I haven't either. So I, I think Little B is on my list. But he's heavy, I'm afraid. And if I'm going to, but that's why I haven't done it yet. Yeah, it was definitely, it was gritty. Um, every, everyone Rape is Forgiven. It was a little bit grittier than, um, like, Oh, what's the other World War II? Uh, it was a little bit grittier than Nightingale, and it was a little bit grittier than... Um, all the light, yeah, all the light we cannot see, I think. Just some of the descriptions of um, the bombings and things in the book were... So we talked to him for the Modern Mrs. Darcy book club. He was amazing. So, I mean, he showed up wearing a hoodie in front of his wall of books with a British accent, so you're already, like, 80% killing it. But... <laughs> He said that he wanted it to feel real. In a war, you don't know what's going to happen next. So he'd write the scenes where he like, would kill a character that you were pretty sure you were going to know for the next 400 pages. And then, so that everyone was surprised, including himself, he flipped back 15 pages, because that was his rule, and make it happen there. Like, so when you're reading the book, I mean, I was about to say Kleenex, but you don't even need Kleenex. It's more like, yeah. what is happening? So on that note, I'm sure everybody wants to go read it. What I'm trying to say is, um, the man was very intentional about his craft, and it really pays off in this book. I agree. Yeah. That sounds better than, than promoting a book by people die when you're least expecting it. It's amazing. Okay. Very intentional about his craft. Okay, I really want to talk about what you hate. Okay, I hated the likeness. Yeah. I, I didn't even finish it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I tried. I think it may have just been the season of life that I was in, but um, it was dark. It was... Um, so this is Tana French. Yeah. This is one of the gentler Tana French novels. 
Yeah, and I normally um, I normally can do mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, I can watch Criminal Minds, but for some reason this this book um, just did not resonate with me in any way. So I wonder. It didn't feel like a strong enough story. Um, it took me a long time to get into it. Um, I probably put it down halfway. So the premise is of this book because sometimes it matters. Um, this is Tana French's second Dublin Murder Squad book. And in this book, right at the beginning, a character gets murdered who is the spitting image of one of the detectives on the police force. And, oh, I forgot this premise is actually really cool. So this girl has been living using a, an identity, well, I still don't speak police, um, using an alias that this undercover police officer had used in her past. So she resembles her, and the connections are really weird. She's like, what does this girl have to do with me? And here's the far-fetched mm-hmm. premise that I thought maybe might be why you chose it for your hate, is the undercover cop goes to impersonate this girl, right through a bunch of roommates, and like, some readers write off, they're like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, no, that's never going to work. That is stupid. Right. I think that, yeah, I think that when she decided that she was going to go live with her roommates and um, just assume this person's life, I was, I, I think I just was like, mm, no, not for me. Okay. So it was a little too gritty. I don't know what it was. A little too, yeah. yeah. But um, also, it was, you thought it was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's legit. Yeah, because I can do gritty, um, but for some reason this one was just, it didn't have anything redemptive in it. Um, okay. I was also reading um, Louise Penny at the same time, mm-hmm. and I just was like, I'd so much rather live in Three Pines than read this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and what I was reading at the time that I submitted this was Present Over Perfect by Sean Aquist. Because I forgot to add Lindsay, or ask Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> I was also very aware of what time it was. Yeah. Um, and I liked that, but I, I've enjoyed it. Um, Sean Equist's other books a lot more. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Sarah, the common theme is hard for this one. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all books I really like, so I feel like I have a good feel without. But let me see. If I had to say, so these books have hard things in them, but they're redemptive. Mm-hmm. Julia Child has less hard things than the others. I really want to like encapsulate this somehow, though. I want to read a homemade life because it has the trans element and the food memoir. Oh yeah, well that's book one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I feel like you have a Venn diagram going. So with Julia Child and Animal Vegetable Miracle, you have your food. Mm-hmm. With Animal Vegetable Miracle and Everyone Brave is Forgiven, you have people versus nature. Mm-hmm. Versus other people. Who said there are only three plots? I don't know. We did Anne Patchett. <laughs> no, I think Jack London. Oh, she there's um, because she was talking about that that all of her stories are basically the same thing. <gasps> yes. She just writes over and over and over. Yes. Again. And the Commonwealth was Belcanto without costumes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> people, people in close quarters. See what happens. Uh, tossing a mask. See what happens. No, I think Jack London, man versus himself. Which is Julia Child. Mm-hmm. Man versus Nature, which is King Slaughter. And Man versus Man, which is Everyone Brave. Mm-hmm. That's so I believe lame. that. I believe <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, we are moving on. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to think of my witty ways to draw the thread through. 
Have you read Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day by Winifred Watson? I have not. I've recommended this book up the wazoo if you actually know me or you've read my blog. So it's time. It's time to recommend it again. <laughs> okay. I am recommending this for the like sheer delightful reading experience. Just like in my life in France. Okay, Winifred Watson. It's on the shelf because when Holland asked for my favorites that I recommend all the time, like obviously I couldn't I couldn't miss an opportunity. There's three copies. <laughs> also, this it is a movie with Amy Adams and Francis McDormand. Okay, um, it's not as good. The movie's not as good. Okay. That's not always true, but it's true this time. So, Miss Pettigrew is a governess who gets assigned through an error in the <laughs> governess's bureau. I don't know the employment. No, it's the employment agency. She gets sent to the home of a nightclub singer who's requesting an assignment. So this follows her over the course of a day. Um, she basically plays governess to this grown woman who desperately needs a, uh, a guiding light. And so this very staid, stodgy, set-in-her-ways woman who thinks that her life is pretty boring and bland and blah is suddenly thrown into this glamorous life and suddenly needed and appreciate it for what she can do in a way she hasn't before. And I'm just telling you the plot, which isn't very interesting. It's Sounds delightful. Great. It's a Cinderella story set in when? Pre-war? I go with the 30s. Okay. I support the 30s. We can find out later. I'm desperately wrong. This is the point. I set Constantine an edit um, yesterday that said, yeah, when I talked about the Sumon Kid novel, I don't know why I said it was published in that year, but it's totally wrong. Just take out that part. So, yeah, take this out later. I screw it up. But um, it's just a really fun, breezy read. When was it written? Oh, like 1960s. Okay. Yeah. But it feels super fresh on the page. So it doesn't feel like you need a, um, you know, like some older works you feel like you need to relearn the rhythms of the English language mm -hmm. in order to get the feel of it. That's mm -hmm. not this one. It's just fun. I wish everybody would read it. Yeah. If that kind of thing like Julia Child feels to you. Okay. Book two. What do you know about Garden Spells by Sarah Addison Allen? I have never heard of it. Okay. This so, is a great literary matchmaking. <laughs> okay. Here's the difference between this and Tana French. So Tana French goes with the premise that's supposed to be realistic that you need to believe for the story to work, or you at least need to suspend your disbelief. So Sarah Addison Allen has a premise that she's totally making up, but you need to be okay going with it. And that is that she's got this magical realism element through all her books. Mm -hmm. And in this one, um, it's the story of two sisters, and they each have their own kind of family gift because they're Waverleys. Is that their last name? Yeah. The Waverly sisters mm. have their ways. Sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. So, um, one of these sisters, whose name eludes me, is a gifted baker, chef, chef or baker. She, she makes things in the mm -hmm. kitchen. And the things she makes, she knows what to include in a recipe to elicit a certain emotion or reaction from the person who consumes it. For, so, for example, if I were to put like, some lavender something in your ginger ale, mm -hmm. you would fall head over heels in love with the person you've been thinking about, blah, 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 blah. Or you could feel like bitter resentment, for, but only for 48 hours. So, I think I'm making it for 48 so hours. So it's part. like sorcery? No, it's not sorcery. <laughs> no, it's, it's like a southern okay, so fiction. Magical realism. With a little bit of a magical element. Okay. She also has one book, and I really like this one. 
or I like the premise, the magical, realistic, oh my gosh, I should just stop, of this book. And it is, somebody help me out, who's read Sarah Addison Allen, but in this book, oh, I think it is The Sugar Queen. Do you know what I want to say? She's good. <laughs> <laughs> She's off. In, I think it's The Sugar Queen, you can fact check later, there's a character who can't turn around without the book that she needs at the moment appearing by her side. So no matter where she puts her books in her house, or even if she's never brought a book into her house, like, I don't know, this is a very gentle example, and not at all would be in the book, but if you've got a cat, how to feed your kitten would show up on your bedside table, whether or not you purchased it or put it there. Wow. And that's just kind of fun. Yeah. Okay, book three. Sounds great. Yay. I'm Yay. going to sneak in with two and a half. Oh, yeah. So have you ever read Don't Breathe a Word by Jennifer McMahon? No. So it's a little thriller-ish, which I'm taking from the Tanner French, but a little of the mystical, because I was going there with you a little mm -hmm. bit, and uh, a brother and sister play in the woods near their house, make-believe all the time, and one day she says, I'm going to go marry the king of the fairies, and he says, I don't want to play today, and she disappears. And so there is a... That's a good premise. It's so right. So you're reading it and not knowing if there is this mystical element to it, or whether something really sinister has happened, and the whole police procedures play into it, and it's, you know, it's from the boy's perspective mm -hmm. later in life, so wow. that's number two and a half. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, book three. Do you want Jojo Moyes or somebody you've never heard of? Someone I've never heard of. Okay. <laughs> we Were the Lucky Ones by Georgia. Is it Hunter? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new, just out uh, the last couple months, mm -hmm. it's a World War II novel, meticulously researched by a, I believe, debut novelist. This is about a Polish family in World War II and how where they happened to be at certain places and times affected their ultimate fates. That is all I'm going to say. It's very well done. Okay. Very compelling. Very realistic. That sounds wonderful. It is not written like Everyone Brave is Forgiven, mm -hmm. but you mentioned that you like a good World War II novel. I do. This is a good World War II novel. <laughs> okay, excellent. Yeah. And I enjoy? love that it's set in Poland and not France, because I probably need to <laughs> branch out a little bit. <laughs> I like that you like that. Yeah. I think I'll read that one next, probably. Okay. I like the sound of that. Can't wait to hear what you think. We have a copy Thanks next door. It's handy to have this kind of thing in a bookstore. Thank you. Oh, I dropped a sticker. Thank you. There you go. There you Great. go. Don't leave yet. Okay. <laughs> Book dart. Thank you so much. And your pen. Thank you. Hi, Anne. Hi, Helen. All right. We're going to get a couple more comments. Um, do you want to try to take questions? I know people probably want to stretch and go and things like that. And so if there's something that like you can't live without knowing, I'm going to probably say approach Anne next door. Oh, um, yeah. Just for sake of time, people might have other lives. Um, but we will hang out <laughs> next door until the last person leaves. Um, but this is Fabulous Watching, Saturday morning from Okinawa, Japan. Oh, yes. That's fun. How do you like that? Thanks, Beth. Um, I read Codename Verity really soon after Everything Brain is Forgiven and really felt like that those two made a great pair from Christine. Heck yeah. Put those together. 
Um, Stephanie wants to know, does reading about cleaning up make up for not cleaning the house? So I think so. Definitely, yes. I think that definitely. Um, and then I sort of wanted to pay homage as we were just wrapping up to the podcast we both also used to love and listen to was Books on the Nightstand. I knew it was on your mind when you said Delilah. Delilah. Um, and so the end of their podcast, they always talked about something that they're excited for people to read. So is there something on your mind right now that you're excited to read that's either coming out soon or that you're currently reading and then we'll wrap up? Or that is the wrap up. I'm letting you go, I promise. Okay. Please share. Do you have something? <laughs> you share yours. Okay. Okay, you think. Yeah, sorry, because I knew I was going to ask this, so I go ahead. Just one. Okay. Uh, all right, I'll do two. So one that's out is um, Rabbit Cake, and I've got it on my favorite shelves over there. And I, and I actually texted Anne about it, and we were like, oh, I'd put it down. I might pick it up again because it's really strange cover. It's a really strange title. Um, I can't even describe it at all, but just family issues. Strange, um, sad, hopeful, weird, really good, just odd paper. It was, it was a um, straight-to-paperback that I loved. If you liked special topics and calamity physics, you should take a look at that book. Exactly. See, yeah. so much better. You should do this for a living. Okay. <laughs> um, and then one that's not coming out, so we were just... You said one. I'm going to do two. Because um, I like the ones that are future coming out. So we're preparing art. So we get advanced copies of books that the publisher send that we're trying to preview and things like that. Her shelf would make you drool. Um, well, uh, it made me drool at least. I, I shouldn't put that on you. Yeah, no. And Steve, then that becomes a commercial again. It's going to be part of our loyalty program that if you join a novel neighbor loyalty program, you can have access to advanced reader copies that will be available at the end of this month, but I'm just not there yet because i got to get ready for events like this. Okay, so there's this book coming out called This Is Not the End by Chandler Baker, and it's a young adult book. And the only reason I'm going to have to talk about this, because the only way I can describe it, and this is when I like when people tell books, like it reminds you of this, this, and this, or it reminds you of this book. So this one is One Part We Were Liars, which was a young adult book, one part Sophie's Choice with a trace of Unwind by Neil Shusterman. <laughs> so if you know all three of those books, it just makes you go, oh. So that's coming. I think it's in August. It's going to be really good. Okay, I'm sorry. Go. Oh, that's way far away. It is really far away, but I'll have lots of it because I just finished it because somebody said, I think you might like this, and so then I read it. And I did. Which is good because the last three they sent me, I didn't like, and then I felt bad. <laughs> Okay, the book I'm currently reading that I can't shut, well, just finished, that I can't shut up about, is a memoir. I was not super excited about it. I didn't know I was supposed to be super excited about it. I didn't know I was going to love it, but it's Hourglass by Danny Shapiro. And I think a good, like, 70% of the women in my life I interact with regularly will love and adore it. Um, she has a really powerful way with words. It is so hard to talk about memoirs, especially to talk about important things without making them sound completely boring. But um, she has this theory that it doesn't matter so much what mistakes we make in our life, but it matters desperately when we make them. That she explores at length, that is super interesting. Does that sound boring or does that sound interesting? I kind of hold my pitch. Okay. And she talks about, uh, yeah, the importance of timing. And she talks about how the super important questions in life, the, the things that we really shouldn't be wondering about, aren't, um, like, what happened, why did I do that? But what if I hadn't? Like, what might have happened instead? But that is a very interesting avenue for reflection, and reflection is another boring word, and for, um, for fiction. So, just, she really has a way with words. Pick it up, and you'll be like, oh, 
oh, you were a well-spoken, trusted friend I didn't know I was missing in my life. And I'm not sure we have that next door. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because I already asked you. And here, what is next door? All okay. the other things. I'm super excited that Celeste Aang finally has a new book coming out in September. That's going to be really good. Yeah. See, that was past summer reading guide. Yep. I want to read Lie to Me by J.T. Ellison coming out in September. Uh, Phaedra Patrick, who did uh, Curious Charms of Arthur Pepper, which we did for our book club, which I just thought was one of the, it's just a great read last year's guide. Um, oh, so gosh. Something Benedict Stone. Benedict Stone, he's a jeweler. Um, and she's coming in May. So if you enjoyed Curious Charms, we're going to have her here in May. Um, that'd be after the event with my boyfriend, Andrew McCarthy. Hi, Andrew. For <laughs> <laughs> more information on that and so much more. Sure. See, it is live. That could be really good or bad. Okay. Anne, thank you so much for being here. It was so we really fun. appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, readers. I hope you enjoyed our special episode today. Head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for the fearless readers I talked to in St. Louis and let them know there what you thought of my recommendations. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 76. And it's also where you'll find a doozy of a book list. We share all the titles we talked about. Again, that's at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 76. Readers, if you have a special place in your heart for a good bookstore, you are not going to want to miss next week's episode. I'm talking with Allison, who describes herself as a girl who loves to read, but is also on a very interesting journey to opening her own independent bookstore. I'd love to hear her talk about that process. Here's a peek. So I, as much as I love books, and that is not my full-time job, but um, I kind of was in some ways a aspiration to be readerly, to always be looking for good books and good literary lessons. So yeah. That's coming next week. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app or head to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash iTunes and hit subscribe so you don't miss a single book recommendation. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Anne with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me at Anne Bogle or at What Should I Read Next. Readers, if you enjoy the book talk here on this podcast, the nicest thing you can do is pop over to iTunes and leave a review. Those reviews and ratings go a long way towards helping other book lovers find the show. Thanks for those reviews and for spreading the book love. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment.